Web 2.0. Innovation. Trend. Collaboration. Software. Got the world turning as fast as it can? Hear how technology can help, legally speaking, with two of the top legal technology experts, authors, and lawyers, Dennis Kennedy and Tom Mile. Welcome to the Kennedy Mile Report here on the Legal Talk Network. And welcome to episode 38 of the Kennedy Mile Report, brought to you by our great sponsor, Clio, and his suite of online law practice management tools. I'm Dennis Kennedy in St. Louis. And I'm Tom Mile in Dallas. In our last episode, we talked about the growing role geolocation and location services are playing in both the Internet and our real-world lives. In this episode, we're going to take a look at some new survey results that shed some light on whether young lawyers are really as unhappy about law firm technology as we often hear. Tom, do you want to tell our listeners what we'll cover in this episode? Absolutely. Dennis, in this uh, edition of the Kennedy Mall Report, we'll talk about the results of a recent American Lawyer Associates survey and how younger lawyers feel about the technology that their firms are giving them to use. In our second segment, we'll answer some audience questions on legal technology. And as usual, we'll end with our parting shots, that one tip website or observation that you can begin to use as soon as this podcast is over. But on to our main topic, which is associate satisfaction and law firm technology. Dennis, this week, the American Lawyer published the results of its annual associate survey. I guess that's what it's called. And, and this year, there was specific attention paid to how associates perceive the technology their firms give them to use. Not surprisingly, I guess I'm not surprised anyway, they aren't real happy with the current state of affairs. Do you want to start off by giving our audience sort of an overview of the survey? Yeah, Tom, and it's the uh, it's actually the mid level associates survey. Oh, that's so it, right. It focuses yep. on third, fourth, fifth year associates, but I think it's a good sampling where we can draw some general conclusions about uh, younger or newer lawyers in 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 general. And and it's also good to say it, we're going to give people an overview because that's what we have. Because the survey itself is is something that you uh, you would purchase the actual data, but American Lawyer has has done a really excellent. Uh, a summary uh, article of of the results and drawn some conclusions, some conclusions which ask the questions of of really is is poor technology leading to poor associate morale and and uh, since we're a little bit of a handicap by not knowing the actual survey results, that's the conclusion that that the the article seems to draw and and it it bears out our sense of of what we hear all all the time about uh, technology especially with younger lawyers it's worth noting Tom though that uh, there we did get a follow-up email on the the survey results to say there was a methodology error and there will be some corrections I don't think it's gonna uh, really change the trend of the the trends we see in the results but it's worth noting that information on legal technology and and technology use in in the law practice in general is is hard to come by and to get good solid information so um, there's been a number the ABA uh, ILTA and inside legal survey this survey now has has given us a picture I, I think of of legal technology these days but um, there there's still it's still a little fuzzy exactly what's going on out there uh, what's your what's what was your reaction to the survey 
Well, you're right. Uh, that we I did see the email talking about the issues with the methodology, and, and you're also right that I don't think that affected the actual trends and what what the survey meant. I think it, at most it changed some of the ranking numbers and may have changed the calculations for how some of the the ranking was done. I, one thing I wish I, I wish I could afford to to purchase the results because I'd really like to understand how deep they go into this survey. The, the The summary article is very good, and it talks in good generalities about what associates are saying about technology at their firms. But I, but I want to know more about uh, specific areas. Are they, are they just talking about general technology, the desktop that they have or the laptop that they're using, or maybe the BlackBerry or, or iPhone even that they might be given to use at work? Or are they talking about their litigation support technologies? Are they talking about the technologies that are available to them to use? I know that, that part of the question is whether technology is suitable for clients, but I don't know... I, uh, that, that's one thing that I'd like to know more about is are, were they given these questions? Because I think that on a very high level, it's easy to see that people are disgruntled just because they don't have new computers. So they don't. And, and, and frankly, I think that that's not very surprising. My uh, the, the from one standpoint, I think that the the idea that people and that mid-level associates may be a little frustrated with technology isn't all that surprising when you consider the past two years. One of the first things that law firms did, both large, mid-size, small firms. They all did it. They all reeled in their budgets. And when you reel in your budget, technology is an easy call, especially when you have uh, recycle times or cycle times on your computers that are approaching three to five years. Um, it's easy to put those kinds of purchases off while you get a hold of, uh, of the rest of uh, what's going on in your firm. And uh, I, I think that that's an easy call for them to make as long as the technology they have is easy to do. Now, a lot of the associates think that that is very, uh, very short-sighted, but, uh, but some associates are, are impressed and are still pleased with the technology. I know that, that you, Dennis, uh, came from Thompson-Coburn, which always scores very high in these. Uh, is, is, do you think that things are still the same at Thompson-Coburn as they have been since you were there? Well, Thompson Coburn in St. Louis, the, as you said, is a firm that I spent part of my career at, um, is, is known for its, uh, and, and, and well liked for its emphasis on technology and its willingness to put its money where its mouth is on, on technology. And so they've led, uh, this survey for, for, a, for a good number of years. And, and I think that at the firm, you appreciated not, not just what they, Gave you in terms of technology, but their commitment to technology and the and the forward lookingness that they had of the of the technology. Because you could always quibble that you would like a newer laptop, that sort of thing. But the fact that you knew the direction they were headed, uh, I was something that I always always liked. Um, and I, earlier this spring, I was at a of technology conference in St. Louis, not a legal technology conference at all, sort of a cutting edge technology conference. And uh, Phil Reitler, the IT director at, at Thompson Coburn was there and we spent some time talking. And, and what I liked about what Phil was doing and what I've always liked about Phil was he came to this conference to get ideas uh, as to what was coming in the future that he might need to provide technology to the lawyers at Thompson Coburn for. So yep. it was not just that he's looking at legal technology alone. He's looking to see what's going on in, in the broader world. And, and I think that is always 
carried through at, at Thompson Coburn. And you don't, I, I think it's sort of rare that you get that sense in firms. It, it seems like, especially in, in, uh, in tough economic times, there's sort of a grudgingness to, to use technology. And I think, Tom, wh- what I read in the article is that there is, that part of the dissatisfaction and frustration is not so much that you need to have the newest, shiniest, uh, technology, although there is some aspect of that. But I, I think the, the, what I saw there was what I hear a lot of is associates saying, I don't have the tools to do my work. And I don't, you know, I need technology to do work, to collaborate. Clients have certain expectations. And I also think the other thing is that for many law students, uh, when you go to a, a law firm, especially a prestigious big firm, uh, it's going to shock you that you're actually taking a big step backwards in the technology use as compared to what you were using um, you know, yourself during law school. I, I think that happens in a surprising number of cases. You know, and I think going back to, to what you said about about the IT director at uh, at Thompson Coburn, and and hopefully I'm not making too broad of a sweeping generalization, but I think that that it is very farsighted for IT directors to do that. And I think that in many firms, if not most firms, your IT is looking at what are the trends, what's coming up, what do we need to be prepared for, because the lawyers are going to come to us asking for it. And I think that the, the, the good, dedicated IT departments are doing that. I think that where you're seeing the slowdown is on the lawyer side. And it may be just from a budgetary side, but it may be Really, because they don't understand, uh, you know, in the in the article, there was uh, there were a couple of comments where associates were saying that that the the people who are running these firms don't understand that in order there's they, they may be saving some money in the short term, but they're sacrificing long term productivity and where they could be saving more money just by making a, a short term uh, hit or short term investment. But I, I think also I, I agree with you that lawyers and law students in particular take a uh, may take a step down when they go to firms and that they're just looking for they're just looking for tools that will help them get the job done. But one thing that was striking from the article to me uh, that makes me wonder about the survey and wonder about the associates who were who, who responded to it was was the case of Wilson Sensini. Last year they were ninety five. Uh, in the in the interim, uh, the firm decided to give associates, and I assume primarily mid levels, but maybe all associates, their choice of laptops, and that over half chose Apple laptops. And suddenly this year, Wilson Sonsini is ranked number six. And so makes me wonder if just a new shiny toy in some cases is all that makes the difference. And I, I, I think that, that associates make a compelling argument, but I'm really having trouble here understanding what is it that will actually make uh, lawyers be helpful, uh, be, which would make them be happy or would satisfy them in terms of technology. Dennis? Well, I, I go back to, I mean, I have a great example from, a, a, I don't know, it's, I don't know, it could be four or five years ago now, but uh, did a little consulting uh, with a law firm that really felt like there was upheaval from, from a so, especially associate young partner level about technology. And, and they focused on it and we, we asked a lot of questions, uh, looked, looked into, tried to hear or listen carefully to, to what 
the concerns were. And it's surprising that if you do that, a lot of times the concerns about, you know, inadequate technology uh, and the questions they have are really pretty easy to address. And so, for example, you can get a lot of bang for the buck by just moving up the upgrade cycle by a year or by giving people, uh, you know, flat screen, larger monitors, uh, things that really don't cost a lot. But I think what tends to irritate people a lot is that, you know, it's 2010. And if I'm running Office 2003, I'm, I'm sorry, I feel like I'm running seven year old software. And so you feel that you're behind the times. And again, you're in a prestigious firm, you're making a big salary, everything is first rate in all these ways. And, and you got, a, you know, a five year old laptop, you know, run running old software. It just, it's really incongruous. And, and I think that um, that really leads to a lot of frustration. And the fix to that can can actually be fairly simple and straightforward in a lot of firms uh, where you can you can you can see benefit and uh, resulting rise in morale for not uh, not a lot of spend. And we've talked before, Tom, of this whole idea of of bring your own computer. But, uh, you know, the idea is that we as we move more into this sort of Web 2.0 hosted services, virtualization, that it does it does become possible to let people choose, you know, Macs or other computers to to do their work on, on a network. So th- I think there's a lot of potential for firms there, um, but it, it may involve, you know, getting out of that that sort of standard cycle of we provide people with, you know, computers at a certain time after a certain number of years, and we do it in a certain a certain way for certain people in a certain order. And I, I think that gets really frustrating to people who need uh, technology to work f- w- for certain clients. No, I, I totally agree. And I, I don't want this episode to, uh, at least from my perspective, to sound like I'm calling associates a, a, a lot of whiners because I, I think that's not the case. And, and frankly, I, I think that there's a lot of attorneys out there, young and old, who are just fine on Office 2003 because Office 2007 has the dreaded ribbon and they don't want to move up. I have some I have some friends in companies, not necessarily law firms, who are just now upgrading to 2007 and they hate it because they don't know how to use it. And so, I, I tend to think that it goes along the lines more of hardware than software as far as what uh, associates might be unhappy or dissatisfied with. But then again, old versions of software run on old computers can be clunky and can be hard to use. So, I I think there is a point there. But another interesting aspect to the survey is that if you look at the results, the associates just aren't they aren't just ha- unhappy with the technology itself. They're also, you'd see comparable ratings in terms of training and support, which have nothing to do with the technology. Those are entirely people-based issues if and process, I suppose, as far as training and, and support is concerned. If you have the right people in there training and offering the right support on the technology, I would imagine that there would be far less complaining about the technology that's being used. Um, 
I, I, I don't know. I, I, I would have expected to see at least some difference in those ratings, but, uh, but you don't. Everything is comparable. If you don't like the technology, you're also not liking the support or the training. And, and finally, the other thing that they asked about was whether or not the technology for their clients is, uh, is adequate. And they, that too got similarly very low ratings. So I think that just <laughs> law firm technology in general is being trashed. You know, given a survey like this, Dennis, what, what should law firms do, big firms, mid firms, or small firms? Well, I mean, I, I think that you, you need to really take a look at what's going on and, and where the complaints come from and, you know, what's causing the concern. Um, you, you know, uh, you get a mix. We hear a mix of things. I mean, there are a, a number of, of uh, say, older lawyers, and I use the, the term older with quotes around it, who, who just think that young lawyers aren't as tech savvy as we all believe. And I, and there's some element of, of truth in that, but I, but I think it's because the focus is on internet, internet tools, collaboration, um, you know, things like that. There's a, there's a great survey we'll have to put in the show notes of, uh, one of the law schools in Canada, the professor surveys his incoming students about the technology they use. And, you know, as you said, the number using Macs, the number of, you know, 99% use laptops now as their primary uh, computer. 90 plus percent are using Facebook. 50, you know, uh, I, I have something like 25, 30% are using Google Docs. So when you go back, when you go into a law firm, it's, there is a change of, of what you're able to do uh, based on what you're used to. So what do you do about it? I think that this is really where law firm technology companies prove their worth um, because they can go out, get this information, um, look for those quick wins to address real issues and try to, like I said, just try to really understand um, what the concern is. My, the one takeaway I, I have from the survey, though, and especially the quotes you see in that article, is I have a sense that there's two trains going in completely different directions. The, the managers that are quoted talk about, hey, we need to save money. We have to make choices. You know, technology is one piece of that. Interestingly, other than Thompson Coburn, where Tom Minogue, you know, addresses their commitment to technology. Well, the associates are saying uh, things like, we need, we aren't productive. We need technology to, to, as the tools to do our work. And so I, there does seem to be, as I say, two trains going in different directions. And that's the interesting thing I would focus on in a firm as I was looking at, at, uh, at these results. I also uh, bump up to see what the level of satisfaction with, in the young partner area too, because I have a suspicion um, there's a there's more frustration there even than in the sort of mid level associate area. Tom, no, I, I completely agree. I think technology committees are a underutilized and very important feature of a firm of any size, and I think that important components of that technology committee need to be your associates, your mid level associates who want to have a say in what's being done and and, and will help the other lawyers and older lawyers understand uh, what's important and and what needs to be considered when they're when they're uh, evaluating and and dealing with technology budgets for the upcoming year and their strategic plan. You know, I think that the article does indicate that spending is going to increase. Uh, so we hope 
that part of that spend is going to be on technology. But, um, you know, my experience traditionally has been that uh, law firms don't look at technology as a revenue or productivity generator. And so I'm expecting that when we get around to the survey this time next year, we're still likely to see a decent number of unhappy associates, at least at some firms. Before we move on to our next segment, let's take a quick break with a few words from the Legal Talk Network and our amazing sponsor, Clio. Imagine how much easier managing your practice would be if your practice management software was web-based. Your practice would be available anywhere you have an internet connection, completely secure, backed up continuously, and most importantly, easy to use, allowing you to spend your valuable time building your practice instead of managing technology. Start simplifying your practice today with Clio. Sign up for our free, fully functional 30-day trial at www.goclio.com. Use promotional code KMR for a 25% discount. Engage your brain. Go to LegalTalkNetwork.com and listen to all the great legal podcasts. Interested in having a show on Legal Talk Network? We'd like to talk to you about building your firm's marketing strategy with legal podcasts. Give us a call at 781-551-9960. That's LegalTalkNetwork.com. And welcome back to the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy. We thought we'd do another round of audience questions that we would try to answer. Now, I'm usually a pessimist when it comes to using Twitter to get responses <laughs> when I request questions for the show, but I gave it another try. We actually got some great questions from our audience, more than we could use even in this show. So, Tom, are you ready to see what's on our listeners' minds today? Absolutely. Uh, our first question that I'll take a stab at first comes from Mike McBride, who writes the excellent Many Faces of Mike blog and is a great resource on legal technology. Uh, he saw our topic for today uh, as we posted on Twitter, and he asked the question, do you see a connection between the AMLAW survey results and satisfaction with technology and the growth in use of shadow IT tools like Google Docs? And we thought that was a great question, and that's why I want to talk about it in a little bit more detail in this segment of the show. Uh, for those of you who aren't familiar, shadow IT can be defined as um, systems or solutions. I hate that word solution, but applications, programs, whatever you want to call it, uh, that are built and are used inside organizations without organizational approval. And I can tell you from the standpoint of 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 looking at from records management uh, that companies that company employees are doing this on a regular basis, and I think that uh, that there is a connection there that 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 lawyers and associates in particular are looking for tools that help them get the job done. And if that isn't being done by their law firm technology, they may go and find another tool. And I'll I'll give a quick story. I was uh, doing some work. Uh, about a year ago for a client and, and, and the client uh, sponsor was the IT director and had sit, sat in on all the interviews and I was asking them what they were using for project management and the IT director said, well, we use SharePoint for our project management. And, um, and he was spending most of his time during the interviews with his head down at his computer, not really paying attention and just everything he heard, nothing surprised him. And as we go through the interviews, all of a sudden I asked the question, where, what are you, where are you doing your project? 
project management and where you keep those documents. And they said, well, we tried SharePoint. We don't like it. It doesn't work for us. So we've gone out and we're using Basecamp, which is, and we've talked about it on this show before, a web-based tool. And we're storing all of our company information on project management there. And that IT head, IT director's head whips up and and suddenly uh, he's very interested in the conversation. And this person wasn't the only one who said they were using Basecamp until the very end when the person said, no, I'm actually using Google Docs instead. So now we had two uh, uses of of. Uh, shadow IT. Now, it's not really programs that are developed inside the, uh, the the organization, but frankly, with the advent and development of so many internet tools, it makes it so incredibly easy to to, to do that. And uh, from a records management standpoint, it is a company nightmare and and is something that I think that uh, that law firms need to pay specific attention to. Dennis. Yeah, I mean, I think this is this is a really great point and and a great question. I I definitely see a que- a connection, uh, but but I also think this is just part of of the new atmosphere of technology. So I I think in the law firm setting, as you see younger associates who are frustrated with technology, you know, more and more like, and I pointed to the to the Canadian article that they're already using Google Docs, they're they're using Facebook, um, they're collaborating, they're they're, you know, exchanging information, they're instant messaging. You come to a law firm where you don't even have those tools or you have those tools that have significant limitations. They can't be used externally, uh, you know, ancient versions of, of these tools, that thing, things like that. People are going to say, well, why am I fighting this when I can use Google Docs or I can use, you know, Skype or I can use something, something out there to actually get my work done quickly um, and to do it in a way that I can communicate with a client, opposing counsel, somebody else um, in a tool that's free, that's easy to use. And I don't have to go through all the red tape. And so. I think in a lot of, uh, I don't know, a lot of firms, but you already hear firms who are, you know, fighting this losing battle of they'll block one of these tools and people just route around it and use, you know, find another one. Um, so, so I think you see that, but I, I think it is part of, of our experience of the internet today and our own use of technology. And I mean, I just go back to the same point. I think there is the gap now where we're likely to have better technology and technology we use more efficiently at home than we do in the workplace now. And I think that uh, shadow IT, fascinating concept, is, is one of the consequences. Tom, well, do you have a question we're gonna for me? Put, we're gonna put, well, I, I, let me finish up on that. We're going to put an article okay. in the show notes that, uh, that demonstrates a number of companies that sort of began as shadow IT, where something wasn't getting accomplished within the company and, and these products and tools have grown into very, very successful applications or systems. But uh, I have to say that from an e-discovery standpoint, uh, having attorneys or anybody using shadow tools to create or store information is just a litigator's dream come true. And so I think that law firms or any company really ought to get a handle on it. Dennis, our second question, and I'm going to uh, tee it up to you, comes from our good friend, Matt Buchanan, one of the pioneering patent bloggers. And uh, he asks, uh, he and, and, and Steve Nipper are creating a new firm, and they're brainstorming about the ideal form of engagement letter and, and how to submit that and, and, and give it to pr- prospective clients. And they ask, why not the web? Dennis, what are your thoughts on a web-based engagement letter? 
Yeah, this is sort of a, a classic uh, idea. You know, you, you say, okay, here's an engagement letter for a law firm. And it's typically not going to be a negotiated document. It's something that you send out a copy of, have a, you know, the new client sign it, um, send it back. So there's not typically going to be any negotiation. You might not be able to start work on a project until the letter goes out and comes back. And it's, in in our internet e-commerce world, it just cries out to say, "Oh, this should be a click-through type of agreement." Um, it has all you know all the traits that that you you like to see for a click-through agreement. So, uh, you know, you know, my thought for for Matt is that I think there's a couple things happening here that that are favorable to that to to make you at least want to explore it. Um, and so I, I think that it's a uh, much more accepted technology. We're, you know, we're very used to the click-through agreements on the web, um, very accepting of it. Uh, there's some concerns to be, I would say that if I were doing this with cons- businesses rather than consumers, I'd be a little more comfortable with it. I definitely want to know what the the, the ethics groups in, in my state, um, see if they've, they've made any comments about this approach before. Um, but I think it really is attractive because there is that sense of, especially if you're, you're, uh, doing a web conference or some kind of web intake meeting, you know, conference call plus, you know, a, a WebEx kind of thing where you could actually give that engagement, uh, letter to your, your new client. You know, over over the web, while you're having the conversation, walk them through it. Have the conversation about some of the issues uh, that would you would like to discuss in an engagement letter. You know, how you handle technology, how you communicate with them. You know, encryption, that sort of thing, and then just have them agree to it right there on on the web, um, and and you start work right away. So it's, I think it's it's uh, it's an attractive space. Uh, you know, I always worry about some of these things where it's, it seems too good to be true in a sense, because I think this is a great way to do things potentially. But I think I would really want to understand how my state bar felt about the, you know, the ethics about that, um, because the, the state disciplinary groups do tend to lag technology. And, um, although I see a lot of positives in this, I would have some concern that it, you know, somebody on one of these committees would find it really objectionable. I mean, Tom, do you have a comment on their question? Well, you know, I don't. I don't have a lot of experience with click through, and and so from a just from a practical standpoint, I think it's a fantastic idea. We are down here going through the home buying process, and our realtor uses a program called DocuSign that makes it outrageously simple to sign real estate documents. That uh, it creates a digital version of your signature and of your initials. And you just scroll through the document and place your signature or your initials wherever you need to throughout the document, click a button, and then it goes on to the next person. I think I think a tool like that, if it's not already being used, and this shows perhaps my ignorance in this area of technology, if it's not already being used for, for settlement agreements or contracts or other types of things, I think would be a great tool for something like this, even engagement letters. I, I want to make sure, again... That from an ethical standpoint, um, one, it, it passes that smell test. I also want to make sure that these types of letters have some sort of authentication process before you get into them because lawyers certainly don't want somebody uh, creating a, an attorney-client relationship just by being able to hack into or get into a letter that's somewhere out on the web. So it would have to be behind a, a wall that uh, that only after uh, authentication uh, could could the potential new client get in. But 
all in all, I think it's a interesting and innovative way to handle engagement letters. Yeah, and, and it's great as a, as a way to take advantage of our sort of shared experience and expectations about entering into agreements on the internet and then leveraging it in a traditional legal setting. Time, it's time for our parting shots, that one tip, website, or observation you can use the second this podcast ends. Tom, what do you have today? Well, first, I want to give a quick shout out to our uh, podcast colleagues at the Legal Talk Network, uh, Bob Ambrogi and J. Craig Williams, who uh, just had their 250th edition of Lawyer to Lawyer. We wanted to say congratulations, and it was a fantastic episode, and we look forward to the next 250. My uh, parting shot, I'm kind of in a Google rut, but Google just keeps on doing a whole bunch of interesting things, so I'm going to give you two quick new Google tips. um, two, you, you may be already aware of them, especially if you use a lot of Google tools. The first is the priority inbox. The priority inbox was introduced to people who use Gmail a couple of weeks ago, and I've been using it lately, and it really is very interesting. It allows you to handle the email in your inbox so that what's really important floats up to the top, and you can structure it uh, in any way that you want so that you've got... Right now, I've got one that's important mail, and that goes up to the top, and then I've sort of got an everything else where uh, all of the junk mail and newsletters and things I don't particularly care about reading at, at right now goes. And I can go then go and take care of what's important uh, first, and then I can actually delete all of the junk mail all at once without having to selectively click through it. A great new way of managing email from Google. We'll post some tips on how to use it in the show notes. My other one, frankly, just go to the Google website and you will see it. Google unveiled their Google Instant uh, technology this week, which is literally... Um, real-time search. And uh, as you are typing in your query on the Google website, you are seeing the search results change before your very eyes. I imagine that an upcoming topic uh, on this show might be whether or not Google Instant means the death of search engine optimization for websites. But that's a topic for another episode. Dennis. You know, it's interesting. I already turned Google Instant off. It just really irritated me. Uh, so I <laughs> suspect I'll go back and give it another chance after you convinced me of its virtues. But I, it just really bugged me. So, And I guess that, you know, using Google for a zillion years, any change to its interface is going to be, uh, you know, off-putting. But, uh, it, it, but it yeah, is I, distracting. I a negative it, reaction. It's, it's distracting to look at. I agree that it's, it's not uh, – it's, it's a little busy when it's working. So, Tom, what I had for my parting shot is uh, uh, two two related things and, and a really interesting idea uh, that I think we all need to start thinking about. And there's an article in The Economist called A Virtual Counter-Revolution. We'll put a link on the, the show notes. Uh, and, and the subtitle is The Balkanization of the Internet. And it's talking about the this uh, growing trend. And, it's, and I also think it's partially in response to to uh, uh, an article in Wired that got a lot of publicity called The Web is Dead. Uh, but the idea is that the Internet, the sort of free, open, you know, single entity, if you will, of the internet is changing. And so we're moving to a world where there's sort of the Facebook world and it's a separate place. And we have all these separate places on the internet and um, the internet as one 
entity that we can kind of search and, and go through and find everything is changing because we have all these different places and that's potentially going to have some some impact on us and so you can think of it as wall gardens or just different places on the internet uh, where uh, and I think that balkanization is a great word where it's the internet's potentially breaking into these areas and I think apps uh, um, as much as people like them are part of part of this trend and so the wired article takes the you know the uh, inflammatory approach of saying the web is dead and in time I remember we did an early podcast on the whole you know every technology is dead uh, approach that people take but the subtitle is long live the internet and so it's just the internet is changing with mobile with apps all those things and I think these two articles give you a good way to start thinking about that and I think that has a lot of implications for us going forward as, as we use the internet. You know, I almost never read The Economist, but you've convinced me that I need to go back and at least read this article. Uh, that wraps it up for this edition of the Kennedy Mall Report. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. Information on how to get in touch with us will be available on our show notes wiki, as well as links to all the topics we discussed today. You'll find that at tkmreport.com. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast at the Legal Talk Network or in iTunes. And if you have questions or suggestions for upcoming topics, please email us at tkmreport at gmail.com. So until the next podcast, I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy, and you've been listening to the Kennedy Mile Report on the Legal Talk Network, the premier online legal media network. Express your satisfaction with our podcast by subscribing to the podcast in iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to the Kennedy Mile Report. Check out Dennis and Tom's book, The Lawyer's Guide to Collaboration Tools and Technologies, Smart Ways to Work Together, from ABA Books or Amazon. And join us every other week for another edition of the Kennedy Mile Report, only on the Legal Talk Network.